I'm Kelly. And welcome to The Millennial Minimalist. Today we are speaking with Christy Sumer, CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled and host of the Brave and Boss podcast. Christy started Encircled in 2012 with the dream of helping others travel lighter and live a minimalist and conscious lifestyle. A former management consultant, Christy practically lived in airports, traveling 100,000 miles a year. She hated checking a bag and recognized the lack of versatile minimalist clothing that blended style and function. As so, she created Encircled to offer quality and multi-use basics with the traveler in mind. A self-made designer, Christy works to empower customers to create a simple wardrobe that creates space to be more with less. Most significantly, Encircled is helping push the sustainable fashion movement forward. Encircled believes a conscious consumer is an impactful consumer. And in today's discussion, we hope to inspire you to build a wardrobe and lifestyle that you can feel proud of. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so we see minimalism as an opportunity to basically remove life's excess so that we can live a simpler everyday and gain the space to take action on our goals. So that being said, how did you create the time and the space to build and circle while working full time? That's a great question. <laughs> a lot of it takes discipline. So really, when I was working full time as a management consultant, as you mentioned, I was traveling a lot. So I was out of the city for a lot of time. And also in the evenings, I was working with clients. So we'd go out for dinners and stuff like that. So I really didn't have a lot of free time. So what I had to do was take that time when I did have it free and be really focused. So especially on weekends and maybe some evenings, just block out time and have a very clear to-do list. And at the beginning, also just focusing on what's important was really key. So building a business takes a lot of different steps, um, especially a manufacturing business. So I had to be very mindful of my time. And quite honestly, you have to give up some stuff at the beginning. You have to give up you know, that dinner with your friends or that extra trip you want to take just to make that time or your vacation, for example. Like I used a lot of vacation time to work on my business. So there is some sacrifice to it. But there's also some planning and some focus. I find that a lot of us get tied up in watching too much Netflix and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. So we waste a lot of time unknowingly or scrolling on Instagram. And the more we can be focused with our time, we can actually be quite productive. Did you always have that self-discipline and motivation? Yes. I've actually, like, I grew up being a competitive athlete. So I was a competitive hockey player, ice, ice hockey, um, soccer and tennis. I played a lot of golf. So I was always very, like, regimented in my sports routines and stuff. So I always had a lot of, like, time blocks. So my schedule was always pretty worked out for me. So I knew what I had to do and I knew what I had I think it kept me very focused and kept me super goal-oriented as well Um, and also made me a really good team player. So those attributes have definitely like transpired into that because from a young age I was so involved in esports so I was always just focusing on the goal in mind. Right. Since starting an environmentally conscious company, do you work with other companies to help them have these practices or how do you inspire other companies to do what you've done? Yeah, so I actually have a podcast, as you guys mentioned at the beginning, called Brave and Boss the Podcast. It's a little bit more around um, marketing and getting your message out to consumers about um, how to live a more conscious lifestyle. But ourselves, like we're a certified B Corporation, so we do go to a lot of those meetups and we meet up with other B Corps. Um, We also collaborate with a lot of other brands. Um, Primarily, we focus on collaborating with women-owned entrepreneur like businesses and stuff like that and supporting them and helping inspire them for more conscious practices. But there's a pretty big community, I would say, especially in Toronto, of businesses that are on the same wavelength and even globally that you can connect with, whether it's through Facebook groups or just through like Slack groups or meetups or stuff like that. And you can trade best practices. 
I've definitely found B Corp status being very helpful for that because they give you a list of best practices. And that was really helpful for us in Reorienton, some of the things that we were doing. You know, we were doing some things really, really well, but then we had an opportunity to do some other things that we hadn't even thought about. So I think exposing ourselves to some of that helps us be better. And then hopefully communicating that out inspires other companies to do the same. Yeah, no, it's incredible what you've done. So we we recently spoke with some influencers in in the space who basically Mm -hmm. promote sustainable and ethical brands. How do you suggest, especially minimalists like Lauren and I, how do you suggest we as smart consumers can inspire others to buy better? That's a great question. I think it's it's kind of a journey of progress over perfection. I think this space of ethical fashion has a tendency to be very judgmental, and that's something I think we want to remove. And I think that just goes around like sustainability as well, because there's a lot of people who will go online and they'll put something out there that they're sustainable. Like maybe they switch their laundry detergent and they're really proud about it, and then somebody's going to make some comment like, "Oh, but you drive an SUV," and then the person's like, "Oh my God, they're so shamed from the other behaviors that they do." But realizing that you can't be perfect, like it's very difficult to have a perfect lifestyle. We're all using resources, although I'd say I'd argue that zero waste bloggers and stuff like that are much more better at that. But from a reality standpoint, most people, you know, just making small changes in their lifestyle can make such a big difference. And we have to be supportive of that, of that and encouraging. And I think the more you can educate on little things that people can do in their everyday life, I think the better. We try and make that mentality that like, we realize that our customers have wardrobes, maybe with some brands that we wouldn't necessarily recommend. But we also don't want them to throw that clothing out because yeah. it's extremely wasteful to do that. We even have a challenge that we just ran called the Wear Your Closet Challenge, where we basically, it's a free challenge people can sign up for, and we challenge them to take seven pieces in their closet that they rarely wear and wear them over the next seven days. And if they can't wear them, you know, they agree to donate them or swap them or sell them or give them a new life somewhere else. And sometimes customers find that, like, they find this gem of a piece that they forgot about because it's squished in the back of their closet. And that's not really about encircled. That's about, like, just generally getting women to wear their clothing because the most sustainable thing you can do is actually wear your closet. Like, we want people to just get on board with this idea of, like, slowing down consumption, but in a way that, like, is actionable and makes yes. sense to people and that they can glom onto, not something that feels like, way out there and not something achievable for them. It's something that anybody can do and mm-hmm. anybody can start, right? I mean, we, we actually spoke with, spoke with Courtney Carver. She has mm-hmm. Project 333, yeah. uh, which challenges you to wear 33 items for three months. Uh, and it, I guess it's very similar mm-hmm. in, in that sense, but this is a week. So if we can do this, if we can do a week, we can we can take on the Project 333. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great idea and that's a great... Uh, way that your brand can really help support this movement and push it forward. That being said, why do you think uh, consumers uh, are still buying fast fashion brands? Do you think it's because they are misinformed or do you think it's because they're more like almost ignorant about its environmental impact? I think there's a couple of things going on there. I definitely think there's an education piece that needs to happen. I think a lot of people aren't aware. I think the term sweatshop labor, I think, resonates more with people because it's something that's been around the industry more. Like People are familiar with that kind of practice has been happening for years, although I would argue that some consumers would think that's no longer an issue, um, but because it's not brought about in the media a lot. Um, when it comes to sustainability, I think that's a little bit more ubiquitous to consumer because they don't necessarily understand how fabric's made. 
um, the carbon footprint from importing clothing, like it's just really up there. Mm -hmm. And I would say like before I got into fashion, I wouldn't have even really thought about it. Like I would think that 100% cotton, oh, that's natural. That's from a plant. It's obviously good for the planet. Like I would make those connections and assumptions because they seem intuitive, but that's actually not the case. We often know that like cotton is actually one of the most pesticide laden crops. It uses so much fresh water. Um, there's a lot of slave labor in cotton industry as well. So like these things are facts that need to get more promoted by the media. I do think that the media has a role in this as well because the constant push to have something that's new all the time and what's new and latest and greatest versus mm -hmm. focusing on quality over quantity is something that pushes consumers to always want what they don't have. Um, so that whole mindset, I think, needs to shift a little bit if we are going to become a more conscious consumerism culture as a whole. Uh, we all need to collectively play a role in that. I love that even as a clothing designer, you're not like, bye, bye, bye. Like it's, <laughs> it's like the most, I love that you said the most sustainable thing you can do is wear your closet. We never think of that. It's like, mm -hmm. well, what else can I buy or what else can I get to do better? It's like, well, you can stop buying. That's how you yeah. can do better. And just off that, you know, being a clothing designer, what are your biggest tips in making that perfect closet? Like you said, try to wear the things you don't wear. And if you can't, donate it. So mm -hmm. for people who are just getting started, like what, mm -hmm. what's some of your biggest tips on how to do it or how did you do it? It actually goes back to like what your lifestyle is. Because um, orienting your closet around your lifestyle is really important. A lot of us tend to buy pieces like trendy one-off going out tops and like we're in reality we're not going to wear those very often because we don't go out every single day of the week well maybe some people do but most people are at work and they're going out with their friends or they're working out like they're tr truly dialing into like what you're actually doing with your time I think is the first step to building a closet that's perfect for you because what's perfect for me is not perfect for you um, so you have to start with where you are so you kind of have to do that kind of assessment and say like how am I spending my time Okay, and then how you spend your time should reflect what your closet actually looks like. So if you're at work like five days a week, you should have a significant amount of pieces that you can wear to work. That's just the reality. And ideally you want some pieces that can transition to the weekend. So that transitional nature I think is kind of the secret to success of not having so many separate wardrobes of pieces that you can dress up, dress down, take from day to night, work to weekend. That idea that you can wear pieces seven days a week is really what will help you have a more minimalist wardrobe. Uh, when you talk to people about having just like 10 pieces or 15 pieces or something in their closet, it's very scary because again, it's not that achievable. You know, I think on average people have like something like 80 or 90 oh, wow. pieces and then I think in the US, I think it's over 100 something pieces of clothing in the closet. So we're way far off of that on average, you know, so there's a long way to go. So the more you can make it tangible, I think better. We have a workbook on our website called the Minimalist Wardrobe Workbook, which you can download for free and go through it and basically takes you through a process of streamlining your closet. Yeah, it's the five-minute quiz, right? Yeah, yeah I checked yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can get your perfect capsule wardrobe type for you and then I'll send you the workbook and you can work through it and basically go through your closet and see if stuff fits. Like, it does it fit your lifestyle? Does it actually fit? Does it look good? Um, and there's lots of resources out there and we've got a bunch of our website too to get you know, rid of clothing responsibly and consciously as well. Yeah, so for our listeners, take the five-minute quiz on the Encircled mm -hmm. website. You'll, you'll, it'll help you find your ideal capsule wardrobe. And that being said, 
the word capsule wardrobe. I know it was coined by Susie Foe in the 70s. She was suggest suggesting 30 to 40 high quality versatile pieces that don't go out of fashion. That being said, would you say that a capsule wardrobe is beneficial for everyone from the hardworking professional to the stay at home mom or dad? Yeah, absolutely. I think it leaves enough bandwidth for like 30 to 40 pieces is actually fairly achievable. But again, it's what looks right for you. So you maybe you're more like 50, 60 pieces. But it, to me, it's more about that mindset, like getting into that more mindful consumption. So every time you're thinking of buying something, think about why you're actually buying this. Do you actually need this? What role will it play in your closet? Like, does it actually fit you where you are today? Um, I think it's more about that idea of having that ideal capsule wardrobe is kind of like the go-to, but what is it actually for you? It's actually a goal that you're trying to achieve and helping doing that is helping change your mindset around consumption and fashion. And that idea of like not buying so emotionally as well. The more we can get out of that emotional mm. purchasing habits, I think the, the better we are as a society. So it can work for everybody, but again, it takes some planning for sure. And you need to sit down and really think about your life, what you need and do a really honest closet cleanse, which is very difficult for people. I mean, Marie Kondo does it on Netflix and you watch these people have like a breakdown and there's a reason because <laughs> there's a very emotional attachment to our clothing. Yeah. Whether it's we've spent money on it, so there's like that sunk cost in it, or maybe you remember wearing it somewhere special, but it no longer fits, or maybe you think you're going to fit in it again because you've gained some weight. Like there's a lot of emotions exactly. there that people don't... Um, predict so it's very hard to get rid of things um so once you can kind of streamline and I, I find like oftentimes our customers will say well I actually went through with the workbook and when I actually went through this wardrobe workbook I realized oh my god half my closet I'm not actually even wearing and so you know that opens up a lot of space there um that space you can actually take for yourself in the morning rather than digging through your closet trying to figure out what you can actually wear because we're not wearing our closets that's the reality cuts the time in the morning mm -hmm. we always we always yeah. laugh that a lot of people always say hey you have nothing in your closet and we're like well you probably have three times as much but wear the same amount mm -hmm. so the beauty yeah. the beauty of this this lifestyle is that you really refine your almost your style identity mm -hmm. in a sense you kind of figure out who you are. Like I'm many, I'm several. Like I have the sporty side, I have mm -hmm. the professional side. Lauren loves to wear, how would you describe your style? It's very I, like high end. Yeah, I, well I like to dress up. Like I'm not mm -hmm. like a sweatpant type of person, but I, I still only wear the few pieces. I can't believe that most people have 90 items. Like if you think about waking up every morning and going through 90 pieces mm -hmm. to decide what you're gonna wear, like that in and of itself cuts like half of your decisions that day so that's really surprising to me but it makes sense because a lot of people's closets are completely full yeah you talk about I, I want to talk about when you travel and how you wanted to just pack carry-ons because I as a minimalist I actually used to bring a check-in luggage mm -hmm. and most of the times you get to trips and or you get home I would start looking at the stuff I never use and mm -hmm. then I would only bring a carry-on so do you have like tips for packing a carry-on and mm -hmm. the downfalls because there are downfalls to it too mm -hmm. like yeah. you have run out of clothing or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lauren and I side note went to Italy and that's where we 
recorded our first podcast and we both went to Italy with two tiny carry-ons. Mm-hmm. And as much ones, as we yeah. realized there were a lot of things that we didn't use, there are a couple of things, tricks that we realized, hey, like, for example, she's like, I should bring a mini detergent bottle or something. Mm-hmm. Like she had all yeah. these tri- tricks. Yeah. So. yeah. So where do I begin? You must be a professional <laughs> packer. I actually consider myself a pretty good packer, yeah. um, but I have a very defined process for it, which might be a bit type A for your listeners, but I'm going to share it anyways. Um, I always start with a plan. So I always start with a vision for what I'm doing on a trip. So um, I just got back from, well, I was in Calgary. I was in San Diego before that for six days, I guess, seven days with a carry-on. And I just mapped out the whole day. I like weekend an Excel spreadsheet. I know this is super extreme. You can use a Google sheet if you want. Um, and I planned out my outfits. I said like, okay, you know, it's going to be sunny and like 20 on this day, raining on this day. These are the types of events I'm going to. I'm going to like, you know, this like gala party. I'm going out for dinner this night. And then I literally started planning my outfits outfit by outfit and then what I do is actually go back and I say am I wearing these things enough and I try to challenge myself to wear things more often so I'll go back and say like could I wear this shoe again do I really need three pairs of shoes could I get away with two which one am I going to wear on the plane I'm very like strategic about how I do it and I think you have to be because you can't bring very much stuff so you have to be re-wearing pieces I hate bringing stuff that I wear just once and the detergent is a great tip because you never know what might happen you may spill on it or a stain pen or something like that to help you the reality is with a lot of natural fabrics and a lot of fabrics we use you can wear stuff twice it's not gonna smell as long as you don't spill on it so you can get a lot of rewear out of outfits and people aren't gonna remember what you were wearing anyways the other day I think that's the other piece is that as women we're always concerned with somebody's gonna see us in the same outfit twice but that's our own head like nobody's really paying that much attention absolutely to what we're especially when we did project 333 and Courtney Carver agreed with this same with her is a lot of people at my office they had no idea they could not tell yeah. they were like really only 33 items for the last three months like yeah. wow like, <laughs> you really changed it up in that time like or they were didn't realize yeah. right so yeah, so they don't decide. pay attention. I mean, yeah. people are, we always think other people are thinking about us, but they're <laughs> thinking about themselves. Exactly. Thinking about other people. It's like, so, yeah. So I think there's a lot you can do there. I mean, I'm a big fan of rolling your clothing. There's lots of packing tips around like using your shoes as packing spaces so you can mm-hmm. pack stuff into your shoes. Um, obviously, you want to become a savvy mini size traveler. So, like all your toiletries and stuff like that, that's a big one we found actually with our customers. They talk a lot about having that 100 ml limit like with the amount of like toiletries you can bring in and carry on so I always recommend like going to Sephora getting reusable containers where you can like put your toiletries in so you can downsize or checking the resort or hotel wherever you're staying to see what they have there so then you don't have to bring a hair dryer or shampoo or whatever the less you can bring the better um, and but sometimes you need to bring a check bag. That's just the reality. It depends on where you're going and what the resources are there. But um, 95% of the time, I'm going carry on. You so. should pick. You should design a how to uh, in terms <laughs> of like a, yeah. a how to pack uh, a beautiful carry on that is not only minimalist but sustainable uh-huh. and work with uh, Remova, <laughs> yeah, Remova or Away or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's two of my favorite suitcase brands. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a great content idea for yeah. sure. We yeah. have a 
packing list that we used to give away for free. It's still on our website. People can grab it, but it's oh. a carry-on only packing list. Oh, it's printable. And it has that outfit planner that I mentioned as well, but not in the Excel spreadsheet format that I use. That's super crazy, but it's more of like a PDF that they can print off. And, wow. yeah. and this is all on the website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How long does it take you to plan to pack? Like, <laughs> like I can't say. It's probably like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. For what it saves you in the end, it's probably worth it. Yeah. It's about like, it depends on the length of the trip, but it usually takes, yeah, about like 20, 30 minutes, something like that in totality, I'd say. Okay, um, so it's it's doable. Yeah, right? it's, yeah it's definitely doable. It could sound, hey, you know, that sounds like a very intricate, your Excel file and all yes. these things, but it doesn't <laughs> have to take a long time and it actually will save you time in the end. Yes. So moving the conversation over a little bit, considering Encircle was partly inspired by your desire for a more versatile and minimalist wardrobe to help you travel lighter, what inspired you to design in a sustainable direction? Has environmentalism always been important to you? Yes, definitely. Actually, like as a child, I was part of the recycling club at school. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to tell, but I used to like to sort the paper because back in the day you had to like sort paper to recycle it, which is crazy. But I really liked that a lot. And I started to get involved in high school and more like sustainability initiatives and stuff like that. I had a science teacher in high school who was very passionate about it, who originally kind of inspired me. But my real inspiration, I think, behind integrating into my business came on a trip to Bali where I'm actually, I love surfing. So I was surfing in Bali and I was surfing one day in Seminyak and... I noticed I was surfing in like a lot of garbage and I started thinking, wow, there's a lot of garbage in this ocean. Like this is very surprising for me because I have this idyllic picture of Bali. And then I went back to the hotel and the next day I got really, really sick and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was talking to some of the locals and they were like, well, there's actually sewage being dumped right into the ocean where you were surfing. And I had no idea. And it was just shocking to me that like in such a beautiful country, they were doing this and it was just going unchecked and Obviously, I got sick, but I'm sure other people are getting sick, and the ocean is obviously getting sick. So to me, that became like a very tangible moment where I actually could see, this was back in 2011, like the garbage. And it just, I felt like if it, this is happening here, like more developing countries, it's probably way, way, way worse. And like, we need to do something. So it became kind of non-negotiable that that had to be an important part of the business alongside the ethics of our business, which drives some of the sustainability as well. So making our product in Toronto reduces our carbon footprint because we're no longer freighting in stuff. We knit about half of our fabric locally as well. So the carbon footprint reduction from that as well is quite impactful. So those are some things that we've built into our business, but it's become like basically a non-negotiable. It's a question we ask whenever we do anything from hang tags to the labels we put in. We consider everything. Um, because it needs to be considered by people more. I think it's it's really important for us to do our part. And where do you ship across the world? We ship globally, typically, mm -hmm. but most of our customers are in Canada and the U.S. Okay. Um, but we have a pretty significant and growing customer base in Australia as well. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, having this environmentally friendly company, what are other practices you do in just your day-to-day -day life? Mm -hmm. Well, I... I too am trying to go reduce my waste as well. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of like little hacks. So, you know, saying no to, I bring straws with me. Like I have reusable straws. I always have one in my bag. Um, reusable, I use a keep cup. I love my keep cup. I take it everywhere. So all reusable everything. I just got into a Bego, which is that beeswax wrap. So trying to not use oh. as much plastic wrap. Okay. Um, it's reusable. It's amazing. It's a Toronto company actually. Okay. Uh, as well. Um, and just like... 
being more mindful about my purchases. I'm not a big shopper anymore. I mm-hmm. shop in my own line, but like I'm very picky with what I bring into my home. I've started like we just had a clothing swap at Encircled um, with the team last week. So I started getting into swapping, thrifting again, which is something I personally hadn't really been into. What does that mean? (laughs) So after our Wear Your Closet challenge, we had the whole team bring in stuff that like they didn't want to keep from the challenge or maybe other items that were just sitting in their closet. And we basically had a team swap. So you kind of pull numbers and then you each get to pick items and swap. And it's kind of fun to see people take items and wear them so like for example my brand manager she has my old leather bag because I'm trying not to wear as much leather and it was broken and she like she loves it though she's like I saw her carrying it the other day it's just kind of funny because I'm like oh that was my bag isn't it rewarding too it's so rewarding when you see your your clothes that you haven't used or looked at for years being especially I have so many hand-me-downs that are given away my mom's a babysitter and she always gives my stuff to all the kids that she's babysitting and it's just so rewarding when I see them wearing it yeah it's a great way like other than donating it's like a nice use you know everybody has a friend who's maybe like a similar size who might really appreciate that you know and maybe it's not for you anymore but it could be for somebody else so that's a great way to be sustainable as well wow that's a great that's a fun Thing to do with your friends get your friends together mm-hmm. um and swap i could see lauren and i doing that with our girlfriends like have 10 girlfriends like over. yeah <laughs> so lauren will have that. five things uh, all the other girls will have probably 20 things so but yeah no lauren and i are also like lauren's incredibly intentional and uh, laura actually i think i went almost eight months without buying a piece of clothing which is amazing it feels Inspiring. so good you don't you, like it, it just because you want to have that capsule wardrobe and you want to have those high-end pieces and you want it to be very simplified and so when you see that you know unique piece that's like it's you're like i don't know like you can only wear that a couple of times like it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for my style and my wardrobe so yeah and you fall in love with your wardrobe again i feel mm-hmm. like before like you're always chasing the next piece and the next Mm -hmm. style and like the next season Mm -hmm. the next color and when you stop doing that and you start wearing your clothes again Mm -hmm. you're like this is why I bought this like I I love it and it kind of reminds you of that and Um, then sorry yeah keep going I was just gonna say um since uh, adopting more of a minimalist mindset how has your style changed well, <laughs> I would say inherently it's become a lot more casual because it was around the time that I quit my job. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, I guess I was starting to progress towards that when I was doing working full time and running in circles on the side, but I was still in a fairly, very corporate environment. So I had a lot of suits and stuff like that. Like I had to be business formal. So my closet inherently was a little bit larger than I would have liked. And I was still kind of moving through that stage. Like when I was in my 20s, I was really into fast fashion. Like I come from that background. Like I was an emotional shopper and I really liked to shop a lot with my friends. It was just something you did and I didn't give much thought to it. So I was still kind of digesting through some of that stuff. Like again, I talked about progress over perfection. You have these clothes, they're perfectly good. But what are you going to do with them? So I've been it's been like a bit of a progression to slim down my wardrobe. I wouldn't say I have a perfect capsule wardrobe yet, but I definitely like I have a lot of closet space in my condo and it's like not even like a quarter full. So I'm trying to like move towards that. But my style is definitely very casual because it encircled, we have no dress code. So I'm very lucky to be able to have a relaxed dress code. So everything I wear to work, I would totally wear out on the weekend. So it makes it a little bit easier to do that. But I'd say my style is pretty like 
yoga inspired a lot of, a lot of ripped jeans like I love denim and just great t-shirts and we have something called the dressy sweatshirt that's like one of my favorite pieces um, and just really comfortable soft fabrics and just really relaxed kind of minimal style and you can dress it up and down which mm-hmm. is beautiful and fast fashion it's always trend focus I feel like in circle all the clothing would never go out of style yes. that's what I love yeah. I love it's like the perfect wardrobe pieces uh yeah when I first saw the website I was like freaking out this is amazing <laughs> this is exactly what Lord and I love but uh speaking of fast fashion brands do you think that sustainable brands will someday dissolve them that's the hope right yeah I think what you're gonna see over the next few years is that it's no longer optional I think you're gonna start to see a lot of bigger brands have to move into this space because consumers are gonna start demanding it I would say even over the last, like, Encircle, it's been around for almost six years now. And over the last, like, three years, the emergence of so many, like, small, ethical and sustainable brands is unbelievable. Like, the growth in that space. Like, when I first started Encircle, there was not a lot of people in that space at all. It was pretty weird to have a business in that space. And I heard a lot of people telling me not to do it. Like, it's not a good idea because people aren't doing it. It's too niche. But now I think it's becoming the norm. So you see brands now like H&M having a conscious collection, which is a good start. But what we really need is these brands to integrate that throughout their whole supply chain. Because when bigger brands are buying more organic cotton or more sustainable materials like Tencel, it makes it more available for everybody else because the demand has to meet that supply and the overall price will come down for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that will allow us to have, you know, even more accessible prices for consumers and even more sustainable products out there in the market. But you have to understand, unfortunately, these brands, a lot of them are publicly traded and they work on, you know, they're focused on shareholder returns and sustainability isn't on cost. Mm -hmm. So until people take a stand against that and you get some champion in these businesses to, you know, push that forward, unfortunately it will continue. But I think we're starting to see more and more people, especially millennials are really passionate about that Mm -hmm. and they're moving up in these companies and they're no longer okay with working for companies that are doing things like this. We're the current trendsetters and the future consumers, right? So that's something to think about and hopefully we will amplify that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, So. so hopefully that whole generation can be the change in some of these companies and help them see it differently and see the cost of not doing this. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a company or the failures you went through or how to overcome them? How do you keep the momentum up? (laughs) (laughs) That is such a big question. Yeah, I mean, starting a business is really hard, but it's so rewarding. So you have to be really passionate about what you're doing. I think as a baseline, you have to be in something not just to build a business and to make money you have to really believe in your product because along the way inevitably in everybody's business every entrepreneur I know that I talk to they've all had setbacks maybe even on a daily daily basis because stuff happens it just derails you and you have to be very you have to have perseverance you have to keep going you have to be very self-motivated and you have to find your tribe so it's really important to find a group of people who believe in you who can support you and cheer you on because not every day is going to be an easy day and the more support you have around you I think the more likely you are to keep going Um, but truly dialing into that passion I think is probably fundamental and Figuring out if you do want to bring like a product to the world, what that product is and why you believe in it so much and do it in a way that's aligned with your values. I think that's key. And it was probably helpful that you've always kind of lived simply 
mm-hmm. and had kind of a minimalist mindset, so to speak. Your your tagline at Encircled reads, be more with less. Uh, so in addition to your simplified wardrobe, how have you embraced this mantra in your everyday? Yes. How have you gained greater meaning and fulfillment? So. Well, I actually would say I get it a lot of it through my business, to be honest, like working previously where I worked, I loved the work that I did because it was exciting. It was like very high level work, very strategic, but I was working on brands and companies where necessarily their values didn't align with mine. So it didn't feel as fulfilling because I felt like I wasn't really contributing to a greater purpose in the world. Now I feel so connected to that with my brand. It gives me more purpose and it really does fuel me when you have a difficult day. I just always try and think back to that and think, you know, you're doing something really great here. It's not going to be easy. So you got to like, just keep going. Um, So I think that mindset is there. And I also think just focusing on experiences over things. I mean, it's an ironic thing for somebody to say who makes clothing and wants to sell clothing, but I've really dialed into like daily experiences that I can really embrace, like having daily gratitude practices, like really spending time with friends and family, being present, like, more. I actually have a dog now, which I would never have been able to have when I was a management consultant because I was never here. And I really do love taking her for walks in the morning. You know, maybe not when it's minus 38, but, like, on most (laughs) days, I really enjoy that peaceful moment in my day. So really dialing into being present, I think, is something key with being more with less is really embracing the present moment and being all there. Seems like you've really figured out how to live proactively. So a lot of people just kind of ride the wave or ride the wheel and just react to everything that comes to them and kind of figure it out how to place everything. So that's yeah. great. Very rewarding. Thank you. And is there any way that minimalism or adapting this simple lifestyle actually helped you start the company or achieve these goals? It definitely helps you when you're starting a business because yeah. you have to be super lean. You know, starting a business, I originally, you know, bootstrapped it myself. I sold my car and I put the money into the business and I drove around in little smart cars for like about eight months or nine months or something like that. This little car to go is in Toronto. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's like not a lot of startup capital for a fashion company. So I really had to implement that lean Um, mindset into the business so we started off originally and we still do this we offer a lot of our product by pre-order and we run in like very small batches so we don't overproduce that's something that we're really mindful of Hmm. there's a lot of overproduction in the fashion industry where a lot of clothing ends up being wasted and unfortunately sometimes even like incinerated or thrown out Um, so we try to produce as closely to demand and we've done that from the beginning and that's been really helpful for not only building and scaling the business, but also from an environmental standpoint as well. Um, And just being really smart and mindful with our resources. Like I started off just me and I didn't have any help. So I couldn't hire people. I was working out of my condo part time. So I'd have my friends over and it'd be like, okay, I'll buy you pizza if you come help me ship orders. They're like, okay, sure. Why not? This is fun. You know, a lot of them are lawyers and stuff like that. And they're just like, this is kind of cool to pack an order. Like, if I kind of found it kind of creative, I guess. Um, but yeah, just using what you have, I think, became one of my mentalities as well. Because when you're starting a business, you may not have like millions of dollars to hire all these, mm-hmm. you know, fancy people. And so you kind of have to work with what you have and be open to trading services and getting really like ground level with it and trying to be as resourceful as possible, I think, is really key. You seem so very like, at peace and very zen. I love yeah, that. You're very calm. And it, it's great because you built this beautiful clothing line that says, 
hey, like here's your simple capsule wardrobe so that you can go out in the world and be your best self and focus on experiences over things because you have everything and you can also build you know, your style that represents who you actually are because there's minimalism applied to it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like an opportunity to clean all the excess in your life so that you can zone in on those mm-hmm. important areas. So. So yeah, so just to close, uh, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so Uh, much. And I'm I'm hoping you can uh, let our audience know where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. If you want to follow Encircled, we're on Instagram at encircled underscore and encircled.ca is our website. Um, The podcast is at braveandboss on Instagram and braveandboss.com. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thanks again so much for being here and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening and you can find us on social media at Millennial Minimalists.